waging war between reason and emotions, and the importance of leaving things unresolved. Behind the podcast of episode EF9, I'm Scott Ely. Welcome to episode EF29 of the Evolve Faster podcast. A quick spoiler alert, you are about to listen to a behind the podcast episode for a previous episode called EF9, which was season one, episode seven of the Evolve Faster podcast titled, I Feel Therefore I Am, capsized on the river emotion. Driving question of this episode and this behind the podcast for you to think through is, can rationality and emotions coexist? So I'm just going to read the description of the plot of this from the the website, just to give you a reminder of what the episode's about. Elliot made a terrible mistake that's been haunting him ever since. As if rafting through class five rapids without a paddle, Elliot's sanity is inches away from crashing into sharp rocks of guilt, shame, and sadness. Where do we turn when it feels like our emotions have us hurtling out of control in dangerous waters? And is there any hope for a recovery even once you've faced the reality of your situation head-on in light of the power of these emotional currents. Although we theoretically understand the difference between rational and emotional thinking, when put into action, things start to get a bit complicated. Lines are blurred, and especially in those important moments, it's hard to differentiate if your actions are based on emotion or reason. How many times do we find ourselves in a situation where we should tell the rational yet painful truth to a loved one, but we're hindered by our love towards them, and although we know the rational truth is almost always more beneficial in the long run, we do the wrong thing. And how many times do we enjoy the luxury of not getting hurt by others in the same way? I'd say we even lie to ourselves, or perhaps we can't even discern the rational truth through the fog of emotion. Although this implies that speaking the cold, rational truth is always the best way to go, if you give it a better look, you'll notice cracks in that plan. We're emotional beings by design, so it seems it's also counterproductive to just be purely rational. It does work for some people, but when you think about yourself and the people you know, how many of them would be fine if we were just cold-blooded, truth-spitting machines? Imagine crying on the shoulder of a Dr. Spock when you lose a relationship or a job for his cold analysis and unemotional pat on your head. Thanks, buddy, it's a big help. Probably not many would prefer that. So it seems the better approach is somewhere between emotional and rational thinking. Hence the question, can rationality and emotions coexist? Onto the behind the podcast aspects here of this episode. The one thing we can probably agree on is that emotions often blur our rational thinking. And ironically, that's what happened with this episode for me. So even once it was nearly done and had been fully rewritten multiple times already for at least six weeks, I then avoided going back to this episode. It was completely holding me up. So recall that this is the final episode in the trilogy of three linked episodes, EF7, 8, and 9. Uh, It had to be good. It had to remain independent, but it also had to tie up most of the loose ends from the previous two episodes in a clever way. So it had all the potential of being a very solid three-part episode. But EF9, this one, was still lacking a lot. And I was really stuck. I didn't know what to do. It, it, it It had so many problems. So 
And Tony and I had discussed several times and it was just a stalemate. We didn't know how to move the needle on it. It was in my court for a major rewrite. And so I think we just avoided talking about it because he didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. And it actually kind of created a certain fear of working on this episode, even though I knew I had to. We'd work on everything else and the episode just kind of hung over my head with me doing my best to ignore it. So I just couldn't figure out how to properly close it out was one of the main problems. And then there were big problems in the some of the structure of, of the character still, some of the interplay between Lisa and Elliot. It just, it, was, it wasn't real, it didn't work. So not just in this episode, we never expected the overlap from the two previous episodes. So it wasn't just about finishing this one, it was about finishing this little mini saga. Lisa's story from the previous episode, EF8, felt totally unresolved. And Edward from EF7, who is Elliot's father, was introduced in this episode because it seemed to be a logical move as he was the protagonist uh, of the first out of the three. Kind of nice to finish the circle. And it was, but it's one thing to discover the right move and completely another to execute it. What to do about Edward since he wasn't even originally supposed to be in this episode, but we had to wrap that up. And then of course, figuring out the big ending. Just writing this emotional roller coaster was totally unsure and I started to get really frustrated. What started as a rational decision ended up being an emotional nightmare. So how do we manage to overcome this and satisfactorily finish the episode? It is, in my opinion, one of the best of the, the season. I certainly think the end is, you know, maybe one of the best. First, I'd like to answer questions which will explain the writing process behind this episode for you to get a better understanding of how it all developed. And through that process, it might shed some light on how I finally broke through this barrier. So we're going to try to tackle in this uh, behind the podcast, does it really take venting all our emotions to get control of them? Why this question, can rationality and emotions coexist? What would have happened if Elliot did take the mule? Did Edward know about the mule or was he only in the dark about the governor's involvement? What does Edward do at the end? Does he send the letter? What does Elliot choose at the fork? Should Elliot kill himself considering he has now learned to face his emotions? And did Elliot call the cops on himself? So let's go ahead and get started. Does it really take venting all our emotions to get control of them? Long before Elliot, Lisa, and Edward, our first story draft was about a person who accidentally killed someone and was, quote, lucky enough that there were no witnesses. So he buried what had happened deep inside and it starts to eat at him from inside out. He meets an old friend with whom he has a couple of drinks and at one point, after too many drinks, spills the beans and lets it all out. So finally this emotional outburst clears his head and helps him be more rational. So you can connect the dots and see that how that transferred to the, to the final story. It was a decent story idea and it was perfectly tailored to fit the topic, but it wasn't enough. So we had the skeleton, but the story like meat, nerves, tissue, skin, and finally soul. But venting out and not keeping it inside was a spark that started it all. So the, the kind of way that Elliot resolved, or at least started himself on a path to resolving his own internal issues was already in the core of what we had. So this is a good example of part of the creative process. You just have to throw ideas out and put things on paper and make yourself keep creating because there are always nuggets of gold in every pile of, you know, 
If venting out is truly helpful, it depends on the situation and the context. So throughout this story, Elliot often confronts Edward, his father, where he tells him what he feels, but it doesn't really help him in any way. It only makes him run from the circle which he desperately tries to break out. But when he talks to Lisa and he unexpectedly admits everything he did, suddenly it opens new doors for him. Now, of course, this is a work of fiction where I, as the creator, have the power to direct the flow, but by building the story this way, I hope to send the message. We can definitely try to just go around and tell everyone straight up how we feel, but would that make things better? Maybe for some of us, but it seems it's not that easy. So imagine if Elliot told what he did to a complete stranger. Would that person have compassion for a murderer like Lisa did? Or what if he just went straight to, to the police? It would definitely be the right move, but if we go deeper and try to help Elliot, an emotionally broken man, I'm not sure it would help in any way. Why this question, can rationality and emotions coexist? Before episode EF9, which is this episode, and EF7 and 8, the three prior episodes focused on knowledge, truth, and wisdom. So same as those episodes evolve topic-wise, so did these. Somewhere on the website, maybe on the, or, or maybe in the uh, introduction to the podcast, which is episode EF2, I explain there's kind of a master plan behind all these themes. It's not as random as it may feel sometimes. The first three seasons are modeled around the foundations of this Evolve Faster platform of mine that I call Mind, Life, and Soul. And within each of these, there are then more breakdowns. So the first few in this Mind season focused on critical thinking. Now, this center trilogy of emotions here, I call cohesive thinking. And then finally, the last three of the season are themed around creative thinking. See, I swear there is a method to my badness. After covering identity and how we can be manipulated, this episode rounds it up by asking, is it possible to make peace between rationale and emotions? So does it seem possible that this odd couple can live happily ever after? But at the same time, you or me as their child can survive without both. So long before I decided for the three episodes to be connected story-wise, they were already connected topic-wise. Bigger topic of rewriting your own story where better emotional management was one of the tools. Talking about individuality and self-improvement wouldn't be complete without scratching the emotional surface. I also knew there was a bigger topic lurking somewhere, and that was the possible misconception of emotion. Although, according to the question, you might think rationality and emotions are polar opposites. Um, emotions can be quite rational. They're a part of primal instincts to survive and tools that evolution gifted us in hope for us to live at least a day longer in this wild world. Fear makes us, like any animal, run from life-threatening situations, and love makes us get closer to the ones who share our path. But in the modern world and human-focused world, emotions in some context have all the elements of being like an outdated code. So this is an even bigger and more fascinating topic that I plan to explore more in the future. But you can see what an enormous task it is to talk about it. But nonetheless, it was, it was a great part of this journey and not exactly writing self-immolation. So in retrospect, it's not as dramatic as I'm making it, but it was an unfamiliar process to me. Instead of looking at emotions as the opposite to rationality, wouldn't you say that emotions are a bridge between rational and the true irrational? Thus, they sort of complete us as human beings. So if we learn how to better control the bridge, 
the decision-making traffic happening on the bridge should go much smoother. Moving on onto the next questions, there's definitely some some big spoilers coming. So if you if you don't want to if you haven't listened to the episode and you don't want to ruin them, I would suggest stopping and listening to the episode first. So the next question: What would have happened to Elliot if he did take the mule? In a scenario where Elliot takes the mule, the whole episode would certainly turn out differently. So it's intriguing when you already have a well-developed character like Elliot to think about what would happen if he made a different decision. It's kind of like looking at counterfactuals in politics or history. Would the world be more or less screwed up if Hillary had been elected? Would the Trump followers have burned things to the ground? I don't know. I find it to be a great creative workout because you need to you need to create an alternate life chapter that has to make sense according to everything that ha- that's happened before. So let's try it out. Imagine that Elliot decides to take the mule and the drug works perfectly. Elliot, a previously emotionally unbalanced individual, is now stripped from all his emotion. So what does he do next? Does he behave like an empty shell, a zombie-like figure that merely walks around for the rest of his life? Or does he become a cold-blooded thinker whose decisions are in no way swayed by emotions? He'd probably turn himself in, or maybe not, if his calculated world view of the world made him uncaring about the family he'd ruined. For a fictional story, I'd say the second version proposed in this question is definitely more interesting and dramatic. Maybe I need to rewrite it. Nonetheless, this question makes you realize that it's hard to imagine the actions of a person who has no emotion. In one of my former nine lives as a real estate land developer, something I still do on on some levels, I I did deals with some, some fairly scary dudes like this. One guy in particular, who still owes me some money, had literally zero emotion or care about his reputation or what anyone thought of him. He was ruthless and careless. I mean, a bit like a sociopath if I've ever met one. If he had emotions, he didn't show them at all. Anyway, the initial initial idea would, would be that he visits his father for a final confrontation where he rationally puts everything on the table. But wouldn't that action have to be motivated by emotions? The motivation to resolve all the emotional issues? Elliot is completely stripped of emotions. Would he do this in the first place? Another important element is the the homicide. Most likely, it, it would have been something like involuntary manslaughter as described in the episode, but nonetheless, still a murder. Does removing one's emotions have a direct correlation to one's morality? Just because he's in 100% rational thinking mode, does that mean he'd do the right thing and turn himself into the police? Or because he feels no grief, he'd simply move on with his life ignoring and not caring about what he did. So the deeper we dig, the clearer we see how emotions play an important role in in everything we do. When putting it like this, um, Antonio Damasio's research on decision-making impairment amongst people who'd suffered an injury to the brain part that creates emotions makes even more sense, at least from a fiction writing point of view, that is. Did Edward know about the mule, or was he only in the dark about the governor's involvement with the anti-immigrant groups. So Edward didn't know anything about the government's involvement, more specifically about Governor Arding's involvement in the project. And although maybe a small detail, it's very important to Edward's story development. This makes him feel manipulated and it catalyzes 
all of his future actions. So Edward doesn't go berserk because he thinks the potential drug misuse is wrong, but because he feels cheated and it's a direct blow to his ego. Great manipulator getting manipulated. There probably isn't anything worse that can happen to a person like that. And it served as a great, as a great plot point for us. After he also finds out about Elliot's involvement, that's when all hell breaks loose. And this is what makes Edward one of our favorite characters. At that point, Edward's torn between his incredibly strong professional and egotistical pride and his primal feelings as a father. Basically creates this massive mental shitstorm for him. So another reason I find his development great is that Edward serves as the representation of pure rational thinking while his son Elliot represents a person torn by emotions. So although not completely connected, the further in the story that Elliot develops the balance between rational and irrational, the further Edward falls to his emotions determining his decisions. This is hinted at at the end of episode EF7 when Edward hugs Elliot as a father, but a second later is drawn back by his ego and pride at the fact that Elliot may have just destroyed his, his 40 year career. I believe the end of episode EF7, the dark arts one, was the moment that started this crazy deep development of the character of Edward. I remember Antonio being fascinated with how Edward was turning out as we made him more and more evil and wanted to push it more. I still remember writing that final scene of him sitting in the dark on the laptop when the email dings for the final big reveal and then having the idea to make him look like, you know, this wizard of the dark arts sitting in the dark with the glow of the laptop screen on his face. Occasionally, but not always, it comes together. So that, that's a, that was a favorite moment of mine uh, writing that episode. What does Edward do at the end? Does he send the letter? Should he? As I said earlier, Edward is the representative of over-rational thinking. And same as the fork in the river moment is the pinnacle of Elliot's decision, so is sending the letter the pinnacle of Edward's personal story. In a way, I wanted to approach the question from both sides and the father-son story was a great way to do this. So I hadn't told Antonio at all about these two kind of climax moments that Edward had his own decision moment and then that I was gonna present Elliot with this final moment. I think he was he was happy to see that the changes because th those two those two moments became my, my two favorite parts of, of this episode. Although one of the options isn't death for him, it might as well be because he's sacrificing his life's work something to a character like him means probably more than his son means. He wouldn't admit that, but it's obvious in his actions. So the real question here is, if he does send the letter, why does he do it? Is it to help his son or is it to get revenge on Arding, who, the governor, who hurt Edward's pride by manipulating him? Is he crazy and egotistical enough to actually sacrifice the thing he cares the most about just to get back at someone? Is that a more important ego victory for him? Or is he making the sacrifice for noble reasons to help his son? One seems justified, the other seems like madness. One decision is 100% emotional, and the other is rational, and in this case, the right thing to do. Edward, for the first time, is being pulled out of character by the situation. So what do you think? If he does it, why does he do it? The third option where he, he doesn't send the letter falls into the ego category, but at the cost of admitting defeat. That's another blow to an ego like this. So same as with 
Elliot's case, we decided to finish thinking about it once writing and recording were done. But in this case, we had a bit harder time making our own assumption of Edward's actions. So I'm sure that answer pisses off anyone who hates things left unresolved, because I left it unresolved in the episode, and now I just left it unresolved in the behind the podcast. <laughs> so if you think that's annoying, wait until I piss you off on the next question, which was even more frequently asked. What does Elliot choose at the fork? The episode primarily resolves around the battle between emotions being represented by Elliot and rationale with Edward, Elliot's father as its champion. It's perfectly fitting that the end stay unresolved. Will Elliot decide his dad's thinking is better and join his father's cold rational side? Or will he do something that's truly his? Was the ride down the river enough for Elliot's emotional and rational thinking to reach equilibrium? That in mind, I think many listeners will figure out what he does at the end if you listen carefully to the hints throughout the episode. It's unresolved, but not really. There, there are other episodes that are less resolved than this one. Elliot creates this scenario where he struggles up to the very end, showing how difficult it is to make decisions even when you're aware of the puppet master and what strings he's pulling. So this seems to be a harder thing for more emotional people making hard decisions. For this episode especially, it was important to have an unresolved ending. Throughout the story, the listener's taken on Elliot's journey where he's trying to figure out what he should do. To have Elliot make the final decision at the end felt somewhat like a disappointment. Besides, the point of the podcast is to help you make better decisions and ask better questions for yourself, so it's up to you. You'd be stripped of the unique pleasure to decide after the entire story was put clear on the table. Instead, you're left to decide which of the two is the right decision. So after listening to the episode a handful of times, I finally have made my decision, probably before I finished writing it, and I believe Antonio has made his mind up of what happened. I remember before we even had the options to be creating unresolved endings, we had a hefty discussion about what should happy happen with Elliot. And I brought him to that fork, but it took a long time for Elliot to row, row his boat either to the right or the left. When I wrote this part of my final rewrite, it was probably the most excited I was at any ending in season one. Although I did, I did love writing the endings of EF11 and EF13 as well. And EF5, I'm sorry, four. Yeah, five too. Okay, I, I like I like the endings a lot. I like writing the endings. <laughs> They're the hardest, most frustrating part, but um, the ones where I'm able to get the twist in right at the end and I feel good about it, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. Okay, should Elliot kill himself considering he's now learned to face his emotions? So if Elliot should really kill himself is, is the whole dilemma that for me makes the arc of the three interconnected episodes, the ending, so powerful. The writing process of the entire part where Elliot rides the kayak was extremely interesting because the, the kayak ride itself purposely becomes a major metaphor for the whole episode, but at the same time is one of the main physical places where the story takes place. We wanted to paint an extremely vibrant picture where the physical river turbulence sync up with Elliot's emotional turbulence. So when Elliot calms down, so does the river. And then when Elliot falls into grief, anger, and sadness, the river answers with more waves and current. It was a fun challenge to paint the picture considering the limitations of audio podcasts as our medium. So our initial thinking 
was that the episode would definitely be better if turned into, you know, a visual TV show, streaming series or something, where you have both audio and video. But we discovered that the, the limitation of having only audio does have its merits as well. Same as with writing a book, you can create an enormous benefit for the reader or the listener if you paint the picture right. The reason is that the reader or listener gets the privilege to imagine how the scene looks in their own head. I have a very distinct, I mean, I wrote it, so it's maybe a little different for me, but I have a very distinct image of, of what Elliot looked like in that kayak and what that fork in the river looked like and how that whole scene unfolded. And I could, I could see Edward turning that letter over in his hands. Yeah, everything isn't fully put on the table. And in a way, the listener gets a chance to like indirectly take part in creating it because they can not only see it, but if it's left unresolved, they can take it from there too. So it's it's safe to say we learned a lot about the technical possibilities of a podcast as a story medium uh, when writing this episode. And the, uh, the knowledge was extremely useful in our, our future writings. Did Elliot call the cops on himself? And if so, why? Yes, he did. But why did he call the cops on himself is for, for you to figure out. Maybe it was his personal CBT. If you, look if you look at it closely, Elliot constantly jumps from one situation to another, trying to find an answer. Even in the talk with Lisa, didn't give him answers. It did push him in a certain direction to face the music. So interestingly enough, don't you think that facing the facts head on can bring us a certain form of mindfulness? You're, you're certainly in the now when you do something like this. Let's take what most of us think as the hardest thing to find peace with, death. But many people who manage to face and find peace with the fact that they die come to a realization that both the past and the future don't matter. All that matters is now, these last moments that someone may have, which, as we discussed earlier, is mindfulness. Unfortunately, most of us don't realize that until it's too late, when the fear gets replaced with regret. But as the wise old blue oyster cult says, don't fear the reaper, or life for that matter. But who knows, facing the consequences of our action might give us, might not give us a good life, but we might find something that will put our emotions in check and help us move forward one step at a time or one paddle at a time if you're, if you're Elliot. Okay, so I think I've answered the main of the questions that get to the essence of, of what the questions were. Thanks for submitting questions. You can go to evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss to submit questions. To resolve what happened and how I avoided the emotional trap I was getting sucked into with avoiding this episode, I already explained it throughout the episode, which is kind of the point of these behind the podcast and these mini cliffhangers that I present at the start to see if the questions can fill in the gaps of, of how the episode was built and what problems were solved through, the, through that process. It's kind of a challenge to myself and the listener to see if the Q&A of, of the format here helps um, reveal the story, but I'd like to round it up. So the big challenge here, if you recall, was to how to wrap up this little trilogy, and I was in denial that it actually had to be done for about two months. And it wasn't clear until creating Elliot that I had to go and redo the Edward thing entirely to center his attention on his son. This meant going back to two episodes prior and doing a fairly major rewrite of the whole section between Elliot and Edward. The big missing element came when I went back over 
some brainstorming and and Antonio had in, in a much previous version had written a joke that at the time I thought was really stupid and I and <laughs> I was teasing him about it actually he made this joke that like was something to the effect of life without emotions is like rafting in a kids pool and I thought it sounded silly and at the time we didn't you know the kayak metaphor didn't exist so it was just in a list of other of other titles and I teased him about it like we always tease one another when one of us comes up with something that seems not fitting and silly and stupid uh just for fun and then as I reread it I was like actually that could be great because uh it, the problem with it was it sounded silly and it didn't sound fitting of this episode that was pumped up with all this serious drama the the joke was that not having emotions was like rafting in a kids pool I meaning there's no fun if there's no danger so then it hit me that the metaphor was there previous episode which linked it linked to the previous episode which was the ship navigation metaphor the compass metaphor of the previous one because these were both about emotions um it was helpful to link them through something related to boating in water the solution as it all also often happens was hidden in plain sight the whole time and this is actually why um nothing that we work on ever gets deleted we move previous versions and then we have this like original brainstorming template that previous versions that we they've written get all put into the document at the top of the previous file so some of these things are 50 60 pages long including the, the the full previous versions so most importantly my my feeling of frustration turned into a feeling of satisfaction that made me you know wonder about motion emotions even more can we feel good without feeling bad first because I don't think I would have been as excited about this turn of events if I hadn't gone through this 2 months of pain on this episode. I also started to ask myself what other emotional situations might I be avoiding? What might change for me if I faced them? So for me this episode made me draw in into clear view of the reality that I might be hiding from some big challenges. In this case probably fear of these multi-episode plot lines is being too complicated that we didn't have the the skill to get them done. I hope we could, but I often felt like it wasn't going to be possible. So it felt like going from a podcast episode to a near half novel in length. So I was avoiding this episode just like Elliot was hiding from his problem and just like we all probably do in our lives about a lot of things. I hope you enjoyed this behind the podcast looking back at Um, episode EF9 of the Evolve Faster podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share them. Please blog about them. Please support us on our our, our, our site. Please uh, give it five stars on on uh, on iTunes. Whatever you can do to support us, we'd be greatly appreciated. So, thanks a lot, and we'll see you in the next episode. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com/subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast 5 stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons 
is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.